You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Happy Monday, everyone. <laughs> Happy Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Mental Health Monday as well. Looking forward to chatting with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman here in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Well, it is Mental Health Monday. That means it is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Always great to be with you. And I'm very excited about our much needed topic today on empathy and social (laughs) media. I think we all can agree that it's a difficult time online right now. And it has been for some time. But I think, you know, right now it's very timely. I think we've we've just been building up to it. Um, Mm, Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a good insight, Andy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Sarah, even if you, you th- <laughs> even if you think you have empathy on social media, you probably still have room to grow. <laughs> mm, don't we all? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so good. You know, I think of the Bible verse about running the race, right? Like this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon and we are all learning as we go. We're all like, you know, in this together, but we need each other in order to hold each other accountable as well as um, giving encouragement and all of that good stuff too. So you're right, growth, certainly. Mm-hmm. Anything from last week, Heidi, that you want to revisit before we dig into social media today? Are you I ready think, to jump you know, right just, in? yeah, no, I think just centering ourselves again on the definition for empathy that I offered, which, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of gathered some different resources and um, especially took heavily from Miriam Webster because they actually have a pretty good thorough definition, but for considering some cognitive and uh, both uh, emotional empathy aspects to it. So the capacity for being aware of sensitive to and open to experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another when someone communicates or shares their thoughts, feelings, or experiences. And so, you know, we can just refer the listener to last week's episodes, which is in the archives for more on what we talked about as an overview of empathy. But that definition, I think, will serve us well, even as we move into social media, you know, really those concepts of Thoughts, feelings, and experiences, as well as aware of, sensitive to, and open to experiencing. You know, those are all things that really play into empathy. And I really think we only want them to be one of those things, usually when we move forward (laughs) in empathy. So today we're, we're digging into this intersection of empathy and social media and recognizing that not everyone who's listening is on social media or uses social media <laughs> in the same way we all use it in different ways um maybe many of us for similar reasons we want to know what's going on in the lives of others um there are some aspects of social media that uh um maybe uh tap into our old adam and bring it to the surface more uh <laughs> and that probably will come out today in, today, yep. in today's conversation <laughs> as well um, so, but it's okay if you're not on social media, just because we're talking about social media today doesn't mean that, that we think that everyone needs to be on social media, that it's an important part of your complete breakfast. Um, but that, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Nineties kids, eighties uh, <laughs> hey, kids, eighties really. kids, but nineties kids, uh, but it, it, it's okay if you're not on social media and it's okay, uh, to take a break 
right? It's if, mm. if you've been on social media and you feel like you need to take a break, um, we're not saying everybody needs to be like pouring their lives into social media right now. So <laughs> disclaimer, no, sorry. That's, just... That is a really good disclaimer. And also like, you know, we're all going to be on social media in various uh, capacities, like you said, and various amounts of time. Some of us do it for work a lot. You know, all the three <laughs> of us are, you know, have mm-hmm. a frequent presence on social media because of work. And so social media shame will really hit me hard because I spend a lot of time on social media uh, because of what I do as both an author, but then also with mental health advocacy. And so just being aware that we're all different is a really great place to start with empathy in all places. And I really appreciate that disclaimer, Andy. Top notch. Okay. So now if you are on social media, um, now we're (laughs) going to talk about if you are using social media to any degree, uh, ways to bring more empathy to social media. Because uh, if you look at any social media right now, it doesn't look like there's much empathy on there right now. Um, (laughs) So how can I bring more empathy? Let's uh, where do you want to start, Heidi? Yeah, we have five suggestions, if you will, five tips for bringing more empathy online today. And the first one I think is the most important, actually. And, you know, I'm sure there's more tips to be had. You can Google this topic. Excuse me. We are not new. Are the only people talking about this? Uh, But (laughs) I think we do have a specific, you know, both theological and sociological vantage point. And so we're going to we're going to dive into that. Number one is find their face, find their face. And this means that we really need to be able to humanize the people that we're talking to. So it's really easy when you're talking online to forget. Um, And this is like a brain mechanism thing we talked about in uh, Zoom fatigue, how our bodies are set and designed with brain mechanisms for us to determine people and our spatial awareness and everything. And so that is not there when we're online. We don't have that person entering a room to tell our brain, oh, there's another body present, if you will. And so this is, you know, some basic neuroscience. Uh, But another component of that is that compassion, we know from research, is mostly read through facial expressions in particular. And so this is an insight I gained from uh, a, a doctor, a psychologist I had been visiting with for someone in my family, and he specialized in autism spectrum. And he was telling me this insight, and then I just couldn't help myself. I had to dive more into the research, and it was really cool, you know, to see uh, the fact that for uh, children who have autism, adults who have autism, they're really good at like looking at your earlobes, if you will, or looking at a place that kind of looks like your face but isn't, uh, but avoiding eye contact in really clever ways. And I think that we actually all do this to some extent in different different levels, if you will. Um, and so really trying to make eye contact in some way with someone that we are talking to online, especially as the article, as the article, as the conversation gets a little bit heated or there's some opinions being exchanged. Uh, this sounds really silly, but what I encourage people to do is to go find their profile picture at the least. You know, that's shouldn't be too hard. I don't love when people have avatars and I get why people do that for protection and stuff. But that really does affect our ability to be empathic with one another. It was when we can't see each other's faces. And so go find their profile picture or look at a picture on your phone that you have with that person or some other place that you can find their face. Um, 
the closer, the better. You know, we don't really want a whole body shot because that's not their face. Uh, so that will help us to be able to ignite those places in our brain that say, hey, this is a human being that has value in God's eyes. And we are going to then communicate with them differently at a very subconscious level than we would if we're just chatting with words on a screen. Do you guys have any thoughts on that before we keep going? Yeah, that reminds me of, of how easy it is to be a keyboard warrior, quote unquote, uh, mm. because it is that, that dehumanizing aspect of I'm hiding behind my computer screen and I don't think I'm really talking to a, an, another human being so I can say whatever I want to say. But that's totally, <laughs> that shouldn't be how it works because, because you're right, there is another human being, just like you're sitting on one side of the computer, there's another person sitting on the other side uh, responding to these things. Um, and that's, that actually is one of the things that I, I sometimes do when we do these radio interviews too. It's the same, same concept of, of understanding and, and putting a face to that person that you're talking to. And that I, I can imagine that would go, I'm going to try doing that now, actually <laughs> putting, putting a, a mm -hmm. human figure behind, uh, who you're having a conversation with. That's really good. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's. Number what, two. What's the next right? one? <laughs> yeah, number two. Uh, know when to abort or relocate. And so there's options here. And that's one thing we forget really easily when we're conversing with people in general, but especially online, is that there's options. You know, we can change and do something different at any time. The same is true for forgiveness and confession and all that good stuff. We can, we can do that at any time, you know. And so knowing when the conversation is is just not in a good place. Uh, you can give it a time out like you would when you're talking to your spouse or your kids or a good friend who you can say, hey, wait, I think we need to come back to this. You know, um, you can also uh, go ahead and say, this conversation has become maybe not fruitful. And while I value you, I think that maybe we could just leave it. You know, let's just let's just stop right now uh, because we value each other. And really, obviously, being careful about the way you phrase things, because there's no tone to be read on mm -hmm. social media in the same way it is. And sometimes I'll even insert tone like I say this in a really loving way or, you know, I hear that maybe we're both getting a little bit irritated or frustrated frustrated with each other, or at least I can feel that coming inside of me. And so a lot of times if we put it back on ourselves, honestly and authentically, but recognize and own, that's a really important word, own our part of it, own as much of it as humanly possible, that will go better for us online. And so that's a lot of that cognitive empathy that we talked about, really being able to see someone else's perspective, like what do they expect or what are they looking for me to take ownership of is one part of that. And so you can abort, you can say like, this is enough. I mean, you can ghost someone if you want and just like stop the conversation, but you can see how that without any kind of acknowledgement that you're kind of done maybe having this conversation is also not healthy. And so I just encourage, you know, honesty, authenticity, um, but set boundaries. You don't, you don't have to engage where you don't need to engage. Um, and then also relocate. I believe, and we've said this in other Mental Health Monday episodes, that people have a 
a communication love language, if you will. So some people are going to be able to communicate better via uh, text or, or Facebook Messenger or uh, WhatsApp or something like that. Sorry, I'm not advertising for those things. Um, but then also <laughs> uh, some people do better on the phone and some people do better in a personal conversation than on this like large platform. They may not know that for themselves. You know, that's part of relationship mm -hmm. is being able to identify what they need, even when they don't state it. Now, you can't be held responsible for that, but that is an empathetic thing to do is to move the conversation. And so if someone starts sharing some real personal stuff, I really encourage moving to a messenger pl platform or an individual platform so that you can uh, share some spiritual care or do the communication that you need to do where it isn't in a public venue. Because things just go really poorly in a public venue if you're saying more than, hey, I'm going to pray for you and adding a prayer or something like that. Uh, do you guys have any ways that you handle that, Andy and Sarah? I just uh, avoid conversations. <laughs> that is also possible. I mean, that's wise. Yeah. I mean, kind of know your limits. It sounds like you know your limits. Like, I'm not going to engage in that conversation. I think it's hard right now. Okay. Can I be honest? Uh, of course I can because I always say, um, right? That's Heidi's gym. Um, I think right now you see things coming to a head where it's like, the people who have been avoiding, which I completely respect, Andy, I respect knowing the space to have the conversations and not have the conversations. I also think that right now in our society, we're being called to account a little bit to have the conversations that we need to be having in each of our spaces in their own ways, you know, and better deciphering that. And so while I don't think we're all called to advocate for everything online and at all times, that's like way too much. It is important that we are authentic versions of ourselves in each of those spaces. Um, and so that's what I would encourage people to do is just be an authentic version of themselves in each of those spaces. Um, so I think that's, that's a place in it right now. I think, you know, I have those conversations in person. Mm -hmm. Like uh, if I'm talking to more than one person, it's generally at church or at, at the office. Um, I don't generally speak speak or have a whole lot of conversations with a group necessarily on mm -hmm. social media because uh, social media is open to so many more people than what a natural conversation would have. And everyone's mm -hmm. an expert on social media and is uh, comfortable making comments that, that just lead to conversations that aren't helpful um, mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in most public conversations. Now, if we mm -hmm. all knew how to... to <laughs> <laughs> if we all weren't experts on everything and recognize that we weren't all experts yeah, on everything, that would help. That would, I think, make me feel more comfortable about having larger group conversations or open public conversations on, mm -hmm. on social media. But that's just not the mm -hmm. case. Uh, we need to get to the next points here in just a little bit. Um, what are we going to get to next mm -hmm. in just a moment? We're going to take a quick break, but what are we, give us a little yeah. teaser here. I was going to say, after the break, we'll tackle kind of maybe moving forward to have a small amount of conversation with the use of a disclaimer. So we'll talk about that in just a second. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. More on the way.
On Monday's Law and Gospel, we will be examining a reading from the passages chosen for the following Sunday with the intent to learn what the verses say about Jesus and also to be comforted with the gospel message of how the life and sufferings of our Lord provide us with both the forgiveness of sins and the robe of righteousness. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. How do we love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of The Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking about how to bring empathy to social media, a space that a lot of us probably live in these days, maybe even more than we were six months ago, just because of our current situations. Uh, we've talked about finding someone's face, uh, which I think is a great idea uh, to to bring a bring a little humanness to the person that you're that you're talking to on social media, and knowing when to take it offline, which I've seen a lot of people actually putting that in their posts. Like this is something that maybe is a conversation meant for a messenger app or something. So those are our first two first two points. Heidi, uh, what's our next one? Yeah, the third one is utilize the Facebook disclaimer, and there's a there's a portion of this that can be used on any social media platform. But the reason, and I'm not attacking Facebook, but being real about the fact that people have longer posts. And so there is more discussion held on Facebook than other social media venues, I think. Um, and whether that's good or bad, we're not judging that, you know. But at the same time, the, the discussion can get more heated there, I think mostly because of the allowance for longer paragraphs and such. Um, although Twitter has its stuff, you know, in other areas too. So um, just kind of considering the fact that you can consider ahead of time how this post could be misread. So if you are trying to say something to advocate for something, considering perspective taking, remember cognitive empathy, what other people might think about that topic, what misconceptions there might be about that topic. Like Andy said, you can't be an expert on everything. And also acknowledging that is good. <laughs> you know, we're not acting as experts. Uh, we haven't done all the research, even when we are an expert. You know, I don't know everything about mental health or trauma, and that's my area, you know. So that's one thing. Um, and then also, the emotional empathy aspect is considering people's experiences. So I had a post yesterday about Flag Day and, you know, Flag Day is, you know, maybe a little lesser known holiday, if you will. Uh, but every year it rolls around and we have in the prayers of the church, uh, 
things about you know protecting our nation and helping it have good leaders and things like that and so that's good and we want to honor that there is also a place to honor maybe people who when they see the flag have some struggles or have been hurt before by something that is related to that flag. And so those are kind of, we want to consider the whole vantage point member, thoughts, feelings, and experiences. And so when we do that, then we put, you know, again, don't, you don't have to have a diatribe here, but, or a thesis or a dissertation, <laughs> but you can just put a small disclaimer. And I've gotten to the place where people like they'll message me about my disclaimers and they want to utilize that. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. But um, be able to have a little bit of humor for yourself and for life itself, because a spoonful of humor helps the medicine go down a mm -hmm. appropriate lightness, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and so our, we need to share hope. You know, that's our job as Christians is to share hope. That's what God has given us to do in this world around us. And can I get an amen to the world needing hope right now? Oh, amen. Right? Amen. <laughs> right. Like, I think that this is a great time to share hope. And so maybe even disclaimer, I really want to share hope here is plenty to be able to move and just be aware, if you will. So that is number three. All right. So that brings us to number four. Before that, I have to share a funny disclaimer because you were talking about a little bit of humor in our disclaimers. Uh, a coworker who has a disclaimer, I think in his, when he responds to emails on his phone that simply says, the disclaimer says, please show grace and mercy. I'm typing my response with my thumbs. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like a little humor, but right. also being real. Like we need grace. We need mercy. I'm not going to be perfect. Those, that's right. awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Number four. All right. Number four, be real, but understand the intimacy level. So this is where we're talking about what we were saying a little bit earlier, like authenticity. So being authentic versions of yourself, sharing your authentic story and not just the pretty versions of them, but know the intimacy level of each space that you enter into. So there's going to be less intimacy if you have, you know, a couple thousand friends on one of your social media channels than if you post in a group that has a couple hundred people in it. Um, also, or if you have a text chat group or I have a WhatsApp group with my college friends, there's only four of us and we can say most things there uh, because we have an intimacy level that goes back 20 years and has been through a lot of really hard stuff uh, walking together. And so I think the question that I offer on my website here for this is just ask yourself, what intimacy level are we talking about? here when you're getting ready to post you know people want support and so we guiltily kind of spill our stuff a lot on social media and i would just encourage people to maybe find the right place for that in order to get what we need instead of just like thoughts and prayers you know which is really helpful and if that's helpful for you that's one thing but usually people need a little bit more and then the same thing in hard conversations. If we're going to advocate for something, consider where you can have the real conversation, like Andy was saying, you know, with a couple people at work or whatever. Um, where can the real conversation be had? That's a question you want to ask yourself. And that's based on intimacy with people. 
Yeah, a lot of that uh, comes into the, the whole idea that everyone comes to all of these things from a different context, too. So mm -hmm. depending on where you're posting, people are going to have their own uh, experiences that they're going to bring into how they're going to react to what you're posting. And, and, mm -hmm. and then that can derail everything and take it down a path that, uh, that you didn't even mean for it to go down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. All right, we got to move on. Uh, all right, number five. Last one? Huh? Number five. The last one is pretty low-key. Just be happy for them. So one thing I see on social media is that we have a real issue with that FOMO, the fear of missing out. And a lot of times on social media, it can become a negative space because we're not just rejoicing with each other. So we want to suffer together. That's part of our job as the church, but we also want to rejoice together. And so share the good stuff and then rejoice in other people's good stuff and know that the good stuff alongside the bad stuff is part of life. You know, just because you're sharing something exciting that happened to you today doesn't mean you're not honoring the terrible stuff going on in our world and vice versa. Just because you're sharing the terrible stuff doesn't mean that there isn't good stuff in life and what's going on. And so when you post, that's one thing you can do is, you know, wrestle with good and bad, put both those things out there. And a lot of times there's some gray in there. And then also spend a lot of time just rejoicing with people and commenting that gives hope and life to the situation instead of necessarily like always cognitive thoughts about what they should be doing, if that makes sense. So rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say it, rejoice, right? That's one <laughs> of the things that we can do to make social media a better place and do it authentically. But please don't just focus on all the terrible, find spaces to share the really great aspects that are going on in our world. So much good stuff. The media is not going to do that for us. That's part of stepping up in empathy. That's why you see lots of pictures of my garden, because you can't really argue with that. <laughs> I suppose you could. There are things you could argue about my garden. Bikes Sarah, and you, coffee. Do you have... <laughs> That's what I post. I love it. I love it. I have a Labradoodle, so I just post him all the time, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. They, look uh, at my Labradoodle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I have, Sarah. I have one. Yeah. I have one kind of blanket advice that that I always tell people whenever we talk about this this topic, uh, especially when we're commenting or anything in all, any digital conversation, is to to take take a minute and breathe uh, when you're going to respond to somebody. Read your comment again once you've typed it. Read what you're responding to. Reread it again, wait a couple seconds, and then if it's still think mm -hmm. if you still think that it's it's appropriate, then you comment. Or even better, read what you're going to respond to, walk away for like ten minutes, come back to it, read it again, and then respond. Taking time to to process everything will go a long way <laughs> in incorporating all of these things on empathy into social media. Mental Health Monday, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, always good to chat with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, looking forward to next week on play. Yes. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.